Welcome to the Lean Blog Podcast. Visit our website at www.leanblog.org. Now, here's your host, Mark Graben. Hi, this is Mark Graben. Welcome to episode 136 of the podcast for January 26, 2012. My guest today is Paul Akers. He's a returning guest. He was here in episode 122 talking about leanamerica.org. And he's back talking about his new book recently released called Two Second Lean. So I hope you enjoy the discussion. You can also find a video version of this discussion that we recorded through Skype by going to YouTube and searching uh, for Paul Akers or Lean Blog video podcast. There's also a link to the video if you go to leanblog.org slash 136. Well, it's a pleasure to talk to our guest, a returning guest on the podcast, um, Paul Akers. Thanks for being here today. I love to come on your show, Mark, so I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, well, and I'm glad you're here, and we're going to talk about your new book, um, Two Second Lean. Uh, the book is everywhere in paperback and Kindle and audiobook formats. Uh, I really enjoyed it. You know, it's a fun, engaging read. So I wonder if you can tell us, you know, first off, you know, what, what do you mean by two-second lean? What's that all about? Well, the whole story came about when I tried to build a lean culture at my company, FastCap, and the hardest thing was getting people to get their mind around improving all the time. For me, it's easy because I'm wired that way. I, I just I came out of the womb trying to fix things and make things better, and I've spent my entire life doing that. So it is absolutely natural for me, even though I didn't have any understanding of lean. Uh, and so when I learned lean, I became a lot better. But the point is, I understand how to improve, but most people are not wired that way. They, they either don't have the skills. You know, I'm a carpenter by trade and a general contractor. So I had to be resourceful. My dad was an electrical engineer. So I just learned how to solve problems and take resources and apply them and fix and improve everything. That's just the way I was raised and who I am. Yeah. I found that a lot of people didn't really have those resources and didn't have that experience in life. So when I would uh, say to a particular operator on a machine or somebody at the office, say, uh, I want you to make improvements and I want you to make improvements continuously and even more profound, I want you to make them every day, they would look at me cross-eyed like, you're out of your gourd, dude. There's no way I can do that. I can't see, first of all, I can't see what needs to be fixed. And then second of all, I don't know how to make the improvements. So when I came up against that just over and over and over again, I finally just said one day to one of my employees who was particularly frustrated, and I was particularly frustrated at them, I said, look it, if I just asked you to shave two seconds off of the process, I mean, the tiniest thing, if it takes you 20 minutes to do something, and I just want you to make the tiniest improvement, could you do it? And they looked at me and they nod. And they say, yeah, I could probably figure out how to do that. Yes. I said, that's all I want you to do. And that's all I want you to do every day. Find the tiniest improvement and start the cycle of thinking how things can be improved. And that's really what the whole book came to be as a result of that one experience that I had on getting my people to move to the next level. Yeah. Well, and I think it's beautiful the way you describe that, the two-second improvement. Um, that seems to really capture the essence of Kaizen, continuous improvement of you know small, um, incremental, gradual changes. 
Um, where, where did you get exposed to that? Because I think you know, so many uh, you know, business owners and, and, and senior leaders are always looking for you know, big ROI and big million-dollar right. ideas. Where did you get exposed to this? How did you get started other than kind of being wired that way? You mean uh, get exposed to lean or the concept of small improvement? The idea of small improvement, you know, that, that style of Kaizen, if you will. Yeah, you know, I, I'm trying to think if, I, if there was one specific moment where that clicked. Because, you know, if you go to Toyota, which I've been many times and I know you've been, you know, they're, they're doing very careful analysis of every improvement. And they're generally tackling big, huge things. So I didn't really get that from Toyota. I think when I went to one company called Hawks, H-O-K-S in Japan, uh, they were having tremendous problems, uh, financial problems, and they adopted the Toyota production system or lean manufacturing, and they really applied a very simplistic approach to lean, and their approach was a little different than mine, and it was just the three S's. They didn't do five S's. They didn't do six S's. They just did three S's. They just said if they clean everything and make everything immaculate every day, if they sort and get rid of all the ancillary things that are on our shelves and in our drawers and everywhere else and only have in the work area that which you need, that was the sorting part, and then if they create standards or clear procedures on how everything was supposed to be done so everyone could understand it, and then they just simply improved on those, and they did those three things on a daily basis, that they didn't have to worry about anything else. And I think that's when uh, Mr. Manabi said that to me, when I realized, you know, this is really not that complicated. And that's when my mind started going, you know what, lean, people make lean too complicated. Mm -hmm. Here's this guy who took a $100 million company and made it really simple and was very successful. I think I'm going to try to buy into this simple lean approach. Yeah. And then it kind of morphed to the two-second thing. And that's kind of where it first probably gelled with me. Yeah. Now, there's one story I was going to ask you to describe um, that was in the book, and I think it illustrates you know, how you're you're doing this um, just very naturally and in your own um, daily activities. Tell us about the Splenda Kaizen. I thought this was an interesting example. Well, you know, again, getting to think about just simple improvements, that was the funniest one of all. I like cinnamon in my uh, tea, and I like a lot of it, actually. And so, because I like the taste of cinnamon, but I use Splenda because I don't want the calories of sugar, and I like the way it tastes. So I'd make my tea every morning. And then I'd open up my drawer and get my Splenda packs out because I had them in the drawer right below where I made the tea. And I'd pull up those little packs and I'd tear them open. And then I would turn around and go to the trash can and put the packs in there. And then I'd go back over and grab the cinnamon shaker and then I'd shake it in there. And, you know, I'm just watching all this motion and transportation of me walking all over the place. And I said, you know, this is, looks like a great application for two-second improvement. <laughs> Let me see what would happen if I got a shaker, bought the Splenda in bulk, you know, mm. just – Filled it up once a month, put a, a, a portion of, of cinnamon in there at the same time, kind of shook it up one time. And then every morning when I went to make my tea, just one little shot with the sugar Splenda or the Splenda cinnamon thing, and I was done. And I was going, wow, I didn't have to tear anything open. I didn't have to turn around and put it in the trash can. I didn't have to empty the trash can. I didn't have to do all those things that were associated with that one small little task. I said, hey. That looks like a good two-second improvement, and I share that in the book because it really typifies what we're talking about, thinking about the smallest things. And it's not because we're trying to capture the benefit of those small things, Mark, to be honest with you. It's really we're just trying to get the mind to see waste and then eliminate it. And if we start with small things, those small things will lead to bigger things and bigger things. So really, that's all I'm really trying to accomplish. It's not like I saved a million dollars. Splenda, it's just 
the way of thinking. Yeah. Well, and I bet stories like that, you know, as you're trying to get people at fast cap to be able to see problems and, and, you know, pe- people so often just put up with little problems like that. You know, you, right. when, once you start describing the wasted motion with the packets and the trash and everything, right. um, a lot of times people, they, it's hard to see that because that's the way they do things. So can you, can you talk a little bit about some of the ways that you engage people? Um, you talk about, um, you know, the daily meetings and huddles and what are some of the things that you do and have your other leaders in the organizations do to, uh, help people start seeing things that way? Well, number one, we have about 20 principles that we study on a daily basis. So every day we go over one of our 20 principles. And one of our principles is from Winston Churchill. It's called Action This Day. And all of my employees, every last one of them know the story that occurred when Winston Churchill used this famous phrase when he said to his interior secretary, you know, action this day. And I'm not 100 percent sure it was the interior secretary, but I'm pretty sure it was. He came out of his bomb shelter and uh, after the Nazis had the Germans had bombed London and everything was in disarray. And and he looked around and he said, why is this like this? You know, why is why are the streets in rubble? Why is why is everything like this? And the interior secretary said to him, uh, Mr. Prime Minister, uh, we haven't had time to get to it yet. Mm. And he turned around and said to him, action this day. And the reason I tell that story is because that's one of the things we do with all of our associates. We don't allow little things to bother us. We empower people to that very moment they notice it to take action this day. And that's our culture that we built here. There is no procrastination mm-hmm. here. It's like right now, do not wait another second. Let's fix it. Let's solve the problem. And people feel good about that. I mean, at the end of the day, when they go home and they got the solved problems that were driving them crazy, instead of saying, you know, my stupid boss, he'll never let me do anything. They never even listen to me. It's 100% the opposite here. It's like, do anything you want. And because we're making small improvements, we're not destroying anything too badly. So it's easy to fix anything if we make a mistake, which we make plenty of. Yeah, so you got to get, get people to take action, be enthusiastic about participating. Does that build on itself then where people start becoming more mindful of other problems because they know they can fix it instead of just having to uh, <laughs> gripe about it only or deal with it? I like to say our people are mindful of – that's all they're mindful of is problems. I mean, our people walk in the door and they're looking around going, where's the waste? Where's the problem? Mm-hmm. How can I fix it? Instead of, oh, i got to make 50 widgets today. Yeah. They're not even thinking that way. And that's the beautiful thing about the lean culture that we built is we've absolutely got people to see waste and see problems and take action as opposed to just going through the motion. Yeah. Now, in the subtitle of the book, you talk about, I think, two important things, growing people. And I think that's a pretty common um, lean theme of developing people um, through these activities. But you also talk about fun culture. And I was wondering if you could talk about how those fit together, especially the idea of fun culture and, and what that contributes to what you're doing there at FastCap. Well, you know, I learned this. I actually learned that whole concept of fun from, again, Hawks and a couple other Japanese companies that I went to. Uh, Japanese, they have a, a little, there's a, there's a side of them that tends to be a little whimsical, a little silly from time to time. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I learned from Hawks, and there were a couple other companies that did the same thing on all the tours that I've done of Japan, is that they said, just make it fun. You know, life is fun, and you got to have fun with your employees. And it's not about being serious all the time. And that's a little bit of an interesting, or almost an oxymoron, because mm-hmm. we think of the Asian cultures, particularly the Japanese, they're very serious. They're very yeah. sober. But, you know, the lean cultures that we visited, the ones that were really successful... 
they had a whimsical side to them. So I remember one of the pictures, I don't think I put this in the book, at least I don't recall, but I have the picture, of the president of the company. They had some silly little golden Goldilocks hair on him and a, and a little crap. <laughs> they were poking fun at him that he was the king and, you know, they put him in a wig and everything like that. And when we took the tour, he pointed out, he says, Our, my people have great fun. We have we have a great relationship with one another and we have a lot of fun here. And, and so we do the same thing here. We're, we're constantly, you know, there's a fair amount of laughter and not a lot of, not a lot of jesting, you know, like teasing people. We don't do that, but we have a lot of fun. It's just a lot of strong camaraderie. People are very positive. People support one another. People, if somebody does something good, it's really common to hear. That was a great idea. Matter of fact, I'll tell you of a great story this morning that happened. We have a very technical machine, a CNC machine that we just purchased, and it's very difficult to run. And we assigned one of our best guys to uh, to run this machine and learn how to do it because we're doing things with it that nobody's ever done with it hmm. before, which is a hallmark for FastCap. We take technology and then apply it to the way we want to use it, which nobody could have ever done before. And, and all the manufacturers say it can't be done. We're like cutting wood, and we're doing really strange things with the CNC machine that was <laughs> not designed to do this. Mm-hmm. Anyways, so we assigned this guy to do it. And I said, well, we really want somebody else to learn it. So we have two heads looking at this because we're having all kinds of problems. So I took another one of my really good guys and we put it, put them both on the machine. And the other guy realized that if the tension on the material was a certain way, that the material would cut much cleaner and more consistently. And so he went ahead and applied it. Now, the new guy's coming in. The old guy's been working on the machine. The new guy comes in and as soon as the new guy solves the problem, the old guy comes running to me. Paul, you will not believe the improvement that Alexi made. It was incredible. He figured out how to do this. That's not normal. It's not normal for another employee to be praising and saying, what an incredibly smart guy. I couldn't figure this out. He came in and figured it out. That's our culture. That's what we do. And we promote that kind of thinking. It's about giving credit to other people. It's about supporting and encouraging other people. And that's a fun environment to work in. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, it, it, it sure does. And it's got to be a fun, uh, it comes across, you know, the, to you talking about, but I think also the videos, all the great YouTube videos that, um, that you've shot and I assume others within FastCap have, have shot and shared, um, on the internet that, that really comes through and, uh, it's really, really neat to see. It's fun. We, you know, they're allowed to be creative and, you know, they're always coming up with crazy things and crazy skits and, you know, we just have fun. I want to interrupt briefly just to once again thank our podcast episode sponsor, Creative Safety Supply, leaders in visual safety, floor marking, label printing, and more. Visit their website at www.creativesafetysupply.com slash leanpodcast for a special discount. And now back to our discussion with Paul Akers. Now, one other thing um, I think might be interesting to those watching and listening, um, speaking of videos, um, there's been a great series of videos published by um, kids from an elementary school. Right. That came and visited FastCap and have been inspired. Um, can you can you talk about that a little bit? We'll we'll point people um, to some of those videos in the show notes. Um, can you can you talk about that visit and what you saw from your perspective? You know, of all the people that have ever visited our company, I think that particular experience is the most exciting. And what happened was, we have a lot of companies tour our facility, and. This one individual said, hey, Paul, I know the school teacher that I told about Lean, and he's kind of curious. Is there any chance you would give him a tour with the superintendent? 
So I went ahead and said, yeah, no problem. Come on over. And he looked at it. And for whatever reason, it really clicked with him. So then he goes back and starts sharing it with his kids. And his kids seemed to be interested. And he started applying some of the two-second concepts. And he said, you know, I really want to bring the whole class there. So they brought all 34, 35 kids, whatever they were, to our facility. And the kids just ate it up. I mean, they mm. just said, wow. They were completely engaged. <laughs> yeah. They got it. They went home. They took one of our products called Kaizen Foam, which allows you to make an easy shadow board of all your tools and, and supplies. And they have created processes for everything from how they put their socks in their drawer to how they organize the basketballs to how they clean the microwaves to how they keep everything organized in their desks. It is just outrageous. And so he's basically said, we're building a two second lean, lean culture at Cornerstone Christian and they're just making it happen. And recently he just sent me another email. They've actually taken our morning meeting and they've adopted it all to their school program. Hmm. And it's just off the charts what these kids are doing and they love it. And yeah, well, the, the, the enthusiasm, the enthusiasm comes through so clearly. And, you know, I don't know, you know, uh, Norm Bodak and others I've learned um, ties in from, you know, talk about, uh, you know, the, the innate creativity and enthusiasm of kids and, and their willingness to put themselves out there and take a risk and try something new. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, if, if the school system doesn't drum that out of them, uh, the the Kind of typical workplace, uh, unfortunately, can can make that happen. So, what what better thing to try to you know that 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 uh, kaizen spirit, if you will, is already there. Let let them you know keep running with it, right? I think that's a great point. I think kids are naturally can be that way, and we either choose to elevate that characteristic or repress it. And <laughs> when you elevate it, it's very exciting, and all of a sudden, learning becomes really interesting. I know one of the things I said to uh, Darren when he came here, and I said it in front of the kids. I said, do you want to know the perfect lean classroom? The perfect lean classroom is the teacher teaches something and then goes back to the kids and says, what could I have done to improve it so that you would have enjoyed that experience and you would have got more out of it? Yeah. And the teacher listens to that feedback from those 30 students and then adjusts on a regular basis so teaching is dynamic and interesting. And I said, when the teacher is willing to take criticism from the kids and use that information to improve, the rest is history. And that is exactly what Darren's doing. And that's why they're having the success they're having. And ultimately, it goes back to my last chapter in the book. Uh, lean is not about uh, 3Sing or 5Sing or, you know, any of the other lean principles, it's really about leadership excellence. And that's really what we're striving for. When, when people step up to the plate and do extraordinary things in the way they inspire people to live and conduct their lives, mm -hmm. awesome things will happen. Yeah. Now, um, maybe uh, as we start wrapping up, you're coming to us from your studio there at FastCap. Uh, people uh, may know your show, The American Innovator, or listening to it online or listening to the local station. Um, that you're, you're doing that now is a podcast, I believe. Can you talk yeah, about it? We were doing it on the radio for a long time, about a year and a half, almost two years, I think. And we decided to lean out the process mm -hmm. because we were always having to go to the radio station and through all that rigmarole and the stopping and starting in between segments. And we said, man, we want continuity. We want to be able to do it more spontaneously. We want to be able to do it at our facility when people visit. 
So we decided to go to a podcast, if you will, or mm -hmm. internet, and we just email out a show every Friday. And you can listen to it as your leisure, or you can get it on iTunes, you know, on a podcast, or go to our website, The American Innovator, and download it and listen to it right then. So it's a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah sure. So I'll make sure that there's links available for um, for people that are um, listening in here. And then uh, about the book, um, you talk about uh, where people can find the book. They can find it by searching on Amazon, uh, Two Second Lean, the number two, secondlean.com. Uh, what, what, what else do you recommend in terms of how to find you know, you go, uh, iTunes and downloaded, Amazon, definitely on our website and downloaded. I think it's available on, on CD Baby. I, I think there's so many different places to get mm -hmm. the book now. I think we've hopefully worked really hard at making it widely accessible. We have people downloading it from all over the world, so it's very exciting. I know yesterday my wife ran out to me and said, oh, Coca-Cola just ordered your book. And they were <laughs> all excited, so that was good. And we were shipping them to Singapore and Italy and all over the place, so it's fun. Well, that is great. So congratulations with the release of that. Um, uh, it, it's uh, really recommended. It's a fun read, and uh, it's a, a great supplement to all of the great information that you've put out there on the Internet. So I certainly hope people will uh, take a read or take a listen. Good. Well, it's always fun to be on your show, Mark. Well, thanks a lot, Paul. Thank you. Thanks for listening. This has been the Lean Blog Podcast. For lean news and commentary updated daily, visit www.leanblog.org. If you have any questions or comments about this podcast, email mark at leanpodcast at gmail.com.